welcome to another episode of the Herd Main Show. I'm your herd leader, John Wayne. I'm your herd mom, Megan. And we are here. We're starting a new, uh, I guess, series of episodes uh, here on Nerd Herder as we begin to rewind time to a happier time, a better time, uh, pre-COVID time when we were just bathed weekly in uh, Star Wars Mando goodness. Mm-hmm. Um, we long, long ago in a just another life uh talked about the first episode when it first dropped um we talked about the first episode on its own episode of the show and planned uh to discuss the rest um but at that point we had already had most of what we were going to talk about on the show planned out so it was going to be an extra thing and doing extra things in an already busy time of life uh just didn't happen. So we never got around to really talking about the rest of Mandalorian, except in passing kind of things. And so we wanted to go back in the closest proximity to the premiere of season two that we could. We, we assumed that, you know, uh, October, beginning of October, uh, Mandalorian season two was going to drop. And so we figured we'd take this month, the rest of September to talk about the Mandalorian season one. Yeah. Um, now we know that we are a little early, uh, just because October 30th uh, was recently announced to be the premiere date for season two, which is exciting. Uh, it's only moved back a little bit, which is nice considering other things that are completely next year or are yeah. just, I don't want know, to talk about it. Yeah. Lots of <laughs> things have been rearranged because of everything going on. Um, I attribute a lot of that for the Mandalorian to the fact that they started uh, production, pre-production on season two pretty quickly after season one. So they just got pretty good ahead of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and considering so much of the show, now that we know so much of behind the scenes, the way it was all done to where I believe they even said there might be one or two scenes, but for the most part, all of it was done uh, on stage yeah. using the Unreal Engine uh, set design stuff that they did which is still just insane yeah to me. It, it definitely like and that, that's what's really good about having so much behind the scenes because we watched and rewatched uh the season initially um but we haven't rewatched it since the that behind the scenes featurette mm-hmm. uh series came out which i hope they do that for a lot more stuff just oh, yeah. because I, I you know if you are in peruse on disney plus then they've actually, you'll see, spent a lot of time. Like, they have the Imagineering series. They have a lot of behind-the-scenes, mm-hmm. a lot of Disney history. It's really cool because yeah. that that's good original content. You don't need to make new kids' shows when yeah. you're going to load the, the site with so many shows. Create something yeah. new and tell us how the shows that we love were made. Or you could just point a camera at Jeff Goldblum and just <laughs> yeah, let that, him go. That's, that's my true. favorite I'm, show. I'm waiting for season two of that, The World According to Jeff Goldblum. That's a it's great so series. Good. Um, as he talked, he has an episode on coffee. So of course I'm, I'm there for it. Um, so this is the first time you're watching since having that level of depth to the creation and the thought process and the production and the design of this show. And a lot of it changes the, the way you view. That's what's so great about behind the scenes content and everything. And of course, hearing uh, stories from the directors. So like um, Rick Fumiyawa, I want to say is how it's pronounced. Um, he he uh, 
talks a lot about his experience because of growing up like playing with the figures and uh all of that like he personally grew up playing with star wars and now he's directing star wars and he directed the second episode and um you know deborah chow talks about uh the importance of scene setting and all of this other stuff and you know her episodes direct so quickly like they're they're some of the most packed in oh yeah like from point a to point b all of these things have to happen and um you know she moves so fluidly through the points uh of the episode so Mm -hmm. like having all of that baked in as you're rewatching is very very cool um and so starting with this uh so the plan is we'll still spend this month obviously talking about the mandalorian um and then just go on go on with regular content uh how we'll do season two we're not going to make any promises because last time we did Clearly, we didn't uh, make good on that. So Listen, man, stuff we, will, we will wait and see. Um, but uh, nonetheless, we have uh, so much planned for October as well. So we didn't want to move things around because we have already completed the schedule for the year. And what we have for October is sort of October specific. So didn't want to move around. So we're talking about The Mandalorian, even if it's a little month, uh, a month early. But it's The Mandalorian. How can you be mad? Uh, And so each week we will take three episodes. So we'll start with uh, chapter one, two, and three this week. Next week we'll have four, five, and six. Uh, And then the last week, though, we'll only have seven and eight, but um, they're their own double feature finale anyway, so that works out perfectly. Uh, And then possibly have sort of an end-of-season recap uh, at the end of the month, but mm-hmm. nonetheless, it's Mando month for Nerd Herder, and so uh, we welcome you to the madness and to the fun. And um, as always, you can let us know things that uh, meant the most to you, stood out to you, things you love. Yeah, um, we're friends with a lot of people that really like episode four or chapter four uh, that we'll talk about next week. So if you're one of those fans, or if you had just have a particular episode, yeah, particular scene let us know we'd love to talk about it uh but for the most part uh we'll go off of what stood out and and meant a lot to us not necessarily recaps entirely um it's mostly just like how about this So it's pretty weird to be almost a year away from when The Mandalorian started because it just doesn't feel like that. Gosh, no. But uh, pretty soon it will be a year since November 12th uh, and since the beginning of this show. And it's just, it's really interesting to be able to go back and see it. And like I said in, in the beginning, with new perspective because of the behind the scenes stuff, um, but also just be able to kind of rewind in general back to a time when it was just like weekly looking forward to star Wars like that. And so Mm -hmm. um, I'm almost glad it's going to be premiering near November again, just because then that means, I mean, they haven't even really given details in the terms of the number of episodes. If it's eight, then it'll start uh, the last week of October and run November into nearly Christmas, which is nice because you know, yeah, that, that gets to be a Star Wars to look forward to during that time. And Lord knows we're going to need Star Wars during November this oh, yeah. year. <laughs> so, and like, you know, it be, even though we're book readers and comic readers and we have other outlets of Star yeah. Wars, like having that seasonal 
Star Wars. It, it, it is nice. It, it is really kind of uplifting. It's motivating, uh, even more so when it's a weekly thing. It's, it's really yeah. nice to be able to go, uh, you know, you have this thing that gets you through the week and, and, and whatnot. And it was really bold of them to choose to do it that way on a streaming service, given the general approach to streaming is dump it all and let them just go. Yeah. Uh, so I really hope they keep that uh, in this because it gave you so much time to question what was going on because there's so much episode to episode that's introduced and you're like, oh, it's going to happen this way. Um, and it doesn't. And <laughs> and uh, pretty, pretty quickly, I'd say it kind of blew expectations out for me in terms of what I saw as the, the line of story. Uh, and it seemed like every chapter kind of was just further adding to that of, hey, we're not what you think. Yeah, I think there was a lot of expectations, you know, coming from that panel at um, Star Wars Celebration last year, Mm -hmm. where we watch the panel, they're talking about a new show, show nothing, and then all of a sudden, the screen goes black. Yeah, they show something to them. (laughs) Exactly, but... Yeah, it was on Reddit hours later. like... It, no, not even then. It was like 20 minutes later. I was on Reddit and I scrolled by it and I was like, wait a minute. It, yeah, it was that way. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It would have been, it was like that afternoon. Because I, yeah. I remember I was off doing something else somewhere in the huge uh, area of, of celebration. Yeah. And you were like sat down somewhere for a break. And by the time I came back, you were like, did you see it? Yeah. Because um, of so, course yeah. I watched it without you. Oh, of course. I mean, <laughs> I, I completely understand. You couldn't wait. It's one of those things, like, you don't know when it'll be taken down. As far as I know, it never was. I don't think Um, so. I I think they were okay with it not being taken down. um, uh, You know, it's the same thing of, oops, Deadpool trailer or Uh test footage leak. Uh, Now now he's got a movie, uh, soon-to-be trilogy. So it's like, they they liked the press, I'm sure. Testing the waters is a big thing when it comes to big franchises like that yeah well and if anything it's set up because the trailer shows a lot of what you'd come to expect about a show about a mandalorian bounty hunter and Mm -hmm. and in episode one you see a lot of that and but i would say it only lasts for episode one uh i'm gonna keep saying episode i know it's chapter but my my brain thinks in episodes not chapters when talking about shows so just Forgive yeah. me. It's if like that's when a thing. I <laughs> when I call a section of a game a level, right? Instead of a chapter or something like that. I don't know what else you'd call it other than a level. Yeah. Yeah. There's people who call it like quests for different things, but I grew up playing like Mario and Nintendo games where every different section of a game is a level. Yeah. Or a board. Mm-hmm. It's just meh. and <laughs> um, yeah. So. With uh, the first episode, it's the most bounty hunting that we get. Um, Mm -hmm. And, of course, there's the big reveal that took everybody by surprise at the end. um, That And I I don't know if they just wanted to get there fast because they didn't know how much longer they could keep the Baby Yoda thing together. Yeah. Because already keeping it until the literal premiere was Mm -hmm. actually pretty huge. Oh, yeah. Like, it was stunning to everyone, Mm -hmm. I think. Which is the first time I think Star Wars or a lot of uh, creators or franchises have been able to do something like that. 
like Marvel mostly with end credits because that's a throwaway. Yeah. Of course, you're not emphasizing, like you're not booking us a soundstage for weeks for uh, for this little thing. You're not doing there. There's not a trail for people to follow that hunt for those sorts of leads. Mm -hmm. So in credit scenes are, I would say, pretty easy to sneak up on people because they're small. But for something that's going to be fundamental to the entire show, uh, like Baby Yoda, a whole character, a whole design, a whole trademark, all of that. Uh, to keep it under wraps until it's mm-hmm. revealed. Like, that was pretty impressive. Um, yeah, I remember the minute we saw, like, the ears in the cradle. Oh, yeah. Well, that was it, like, wait, what? Even, even that's an, a huge, like, oh, my gosh. Like, there, is that, what, yeah, are is they that really? Think? Um, and I, I think that set up a lot of the expectations because that was the first bold uh I don't want to say misstep because that makes it sound wrong, but the first sidestep of expectation oh, yeah. was big time. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that's the package. That's a, a Yoda. Uh, like yeah. all of a sudden, like your your whole thinking is rebooted of what is this gonna be? What mm-hmm. is he gonna do? What does this play out uh like? I think a lot of us were expecting like, oh, it's 50 years old is it gonna be like boba is it gonna be a character that we know and then all of a sudden the baby yoda yeah well i had figured with that description that it was going to be who we eventually found out to be moff gideon i thought that it was too Mm -hmm. like like combating imperials and basically this guy was like trying to sneak in a bounty hunter to assassinate or capture this guy to be able to be the the imperial of the of yeah. the sector like i thought it was going to be something more akin to that um just because we see uh the client we still don't have a name for him which is interesting no. we see him with a few rugged raggedy stormtroopers but in the end we see gideon he's got a full troop so i'm like oh yeah I, you know it would make sense this little man on the totem pole has to hire a mando a bounty hunter an assassin to be able to do this so you know, mm-hmm. I, I was go- clearly going a completely different direction because I was thinking it was going to be that, like this Imperial versus Imperial remnant, and the the Mando was kind of caught in between, mm-hmm. and it was going to be a matter of, you know, do you just let them have at it or do you step in? Um, and yeah, obviously that didn't happen. Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, I didn't actually for a second think it was going to be Boba. That's a, that, that's an interesting yeah go back like. I'd be interested to hear what a lot of people thought with the description and information, mm-hmm. what the job was going to be. Yeah, we def- I definitely thought that it was going to be like a person, like mm-hmm. a full human person or mm-hmm. whatever. Um, there's some really good lines that set up characters in this, you know, world. Yeah, like the, the, throughout and especially mm-hmm. in episode two, I'm going to talk about that because there's a lot of seed sowing with oh yeah dialogue and stuff like that because you have the line in the beginning of i can bring you in warm or i can bring you in cold that Mm -hmm. really sets up oh he's just like a bounty hunter he doesn't care he's not the good guy bounty hunter that we know of in star wars which arguably he does grow to become that but at the same time you took a different direction with it oh yeah yeah not a wrong that that i literally as you said it i thought of what I thought you were going to say, and it wasn't what you said. <laughs> what did you think I was going to say? Uh, which is why it's always important, kids, hear out the entire opinion. Um, 
I I honestly, when we rewatched, when I heard that line, I thought he was just like bull. Mm-hmm. Like I thought he was just, but just because of what we know of his adventures later on and the trouble he has, not that he's not yeah. capable, but he has bad days, which is a unique thing of Mando's character yes. being such a cool idolized kind of figure. Mm-hmm. He's Mandalorian, he's bounty hunter, you know, of course they have to be perfect. So to have one that messes up and has trouble and gets uh, screwed over by Jawas, for goodness sake. Yeah. Like, uh, so I, I interpreted that line as uh, he's just yeah. trying to scare this guy into just... Yeah, I really don't want to do this. So right. I'm just going to give you this line that I use on everyone. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah. when you said that, though, I flash forward to the end where he's given the choice of warm or cold, mm-hmm. alive or dead. How is he going to handle this? Yeah. Um, and I mean, obviously in the end, he makes his choice to save the child because technically that was his job, mm-hmm. but clearly he has personal steering in that. Yes. And the longer he's with this kid, the more pushed into making a personal decision he is than a professional one. Mm-hmm. So, um, but I've, that's a, yeah, the, the, that, and that's what I mean about this episode being very stereotypical this is what you expect a bounty hunter show game character to be like is lines like that that opening bar fight all of these things such a good bar fight that's the fantasy in most people's minds whether they knew it or not like when they're thinking of a boba fett movie Mm -hmm. when they're thinking of you know a cad bane show like yeah stuff like this um it gives you everything you expect and want up front and then surprises you with the dessert mm-hmm. and then it just keeps bringing more and more dessert you didn't order <laughs> like, i have so much cake what am i gonna do with all this cake um so you know uh but i really a really good way to set up he's a bounty hunter he yeah. is what you expect a bounty hunter to be uh he cares about the business and reputation because as soon as he gets done mm-hmm. with one he's like okay the next job next job um so he's like addicted to the work. Uh, he has to stay busy. And I think that uh, for, you know, having instantly more Mandalorians show up that like we talked about that originally with this, but even still the fact that more Mandalorians show up and are revealed, mm-hmm. which we got glimpses and wondered, but like legit episode one, you get more Mandos and you get this yeah. secret underground Mando culture. Like that was such a big bomb drop of, wow mm-hmm. um even some hints of his past uh with the clone wars like the the flashbacks when he's with the armor yeah. stuff that i did not expect to see in episode one yeah were starting to peek through um and so it starts to reveal maybe that's why he's addicted to the work is because you know because like even when he brings stuff to the armor she's like okay i'll make something for you and then this goes for the kids or just mm-hmm. in general this goes for everyone else like it's very much this we take care of each other vibe exactly and i think sometimes especially with like characters like boba fett and others it's all about the jobs and the work and the profession whereas mando already is more humanized because he has a reason he has mm-hmm. uh people to take care of because of his work yeah and i realized that's something that i adore in characters i don't know why but like i love the 
insisting, I don't have emotions. I don't have emotions. I don't have emotions. Oh, wait, maybe I do. Because, uh-huh. like, I love that about Mando. I love that about Geralt. I love that about countless other, like, bounty hunters or mm-hmm. scum and villainous people. Well, it's extreme examples of what we do to ourselves all the time. We do it more simply and more internally. But it, that's what stories and and, mm-hmm. and uh, fiction is all about anyways. It's exaggerations of real life because we can't handle real life. We can't yeah. handle being told, you know, stop suppressing stuff. You need to feel sometimes. Stop doing this. Stop doing that. Or, mm-hmm. hey, you have a choice to do the right thing or the wrong thing, and it's going to have effects. Hey, you can love people, but if you idolize them, it's going to be bad for you and them. Like all of these lessons that we get are lessons that people need because it's, it's human nature. Like I know what's right. And sometimes I mess up. I know what I should do. And sometimes I mess up. Mm -hmm. And so people are bound to mess up, uh, even having examples in, in the right direction in front of them. And so having uh, characters reveal more extreme versions of those choices, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's almost like that uh, childhood thing. Like if you've ever had a parent that like super exaggerated something, you know, in terms Don't of start. you do this, that's going to like, <laughs> it's, it's sort of that yeah. in terms of, I mean, I even talk to kids like that. I mean, in terms of uh, like with the whole Darth Vader thing. Mm-hmm. I've used Darth Vader as an example of, you know, someone who uh, doesn't process his feelings properly, who um, cares too much what other people think, who only thinks about one perspective and Mm -hmm. because that makes him angry, acts on it. And like simplified versions of that in terms of, hey, you know, think, think about that. You don't want to, as cool as Darth Vader is, be like him, right? No, you You want to look like him. You don't want to (laughs) look like him. Don't be like him. So how about IG-11? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so to go back to Star Wars Celebration, I audibly gasped. Oh, yeah. That was I the biggest thing of the whole out. trailer. Because, like, if you've been listening to the podcast for a long time, you know that I have two boys that's quickly growing into more. But, like, um, I love Darth Maul and I love IG-88. Mm-hmm. Those are my two favorite characters. But... <laughs> I was not disappointed when I found out that it was not IG-88. I was, for sure. I but, know. I mean, because they had a very specific story for him, I'm yeah. glad it was not IG-88. Oh, gosh, no. <laughs> IG-88 does not nurse and protect. Yeah. He kills. Exactly. Well, I mean, he was reprogrammed. Um, yeah. But even still, I don't know that I would have been okay with that being IG-88 state. Yeah. I, I kind of want IG-88 just to be the murder robot that he was. <laughs> I don't want. Oh, I don't yeah. want that tampered with. That's the thing is I want pure IG-88 just like I want pure triple zero. Yeah. Like it, I love a good murder bot. Exactly. I don't know what it is, but we got such a great performance from Taika Waititi. Well, and even when he wasn't the nurse droid, he was just very innocent. <laughs> yes. Um, Cause he, I like his whole introduction, <laughs> yeah. just very, Hey, I've stated the code. Why aren't you listening? Yeah. Like, please comply. Like, I just please love comply. the very, droid approach i love because this is the first characterization other than a couple of comics and such that we've gotten in canon Mm -hmm. of an ig unit so to get the perspective of what could oh my gosh who would voice ig88 because taika waititi is perfect for ig11 perfect oh 
Oh gosh, I wish Christopher Lee was still alive. Oh my gosh. Oh my god. Corey Burton could do it. Yeah. He's the voice double but it for wouldn't Lee. Be the same. I know. Um I wish Victor Price was still alive. Mm. There's a lot of I, I definitely think he has to have some gravitas for sure. Someone doing an impression of Victor Price would be an excellent voice about, for Triple I mean, Zero. What about Peter Cullen? That would be amazing. <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> the complete opposite of Optimus Prime. <laughs> <laughs> um we we were goofing the other night because we were talking about taika watiti and who else oh, we yeah. wanted him to voice and we were like what if he was captain <laughs> what's up my name's spasma yeah piss off thing <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh i love taika watiti and i love so him voicing amazing. ridiculous characters i just love him being ridiculous like so, we we have a good 20 years before he becomes the next jeff goldblum honestly oh yeah definitely um so no i just wanted to throw a throw that up i mean we technically we've talked about chapter one the most there's an old oh, yeah. episode and um we'll have to share that uh mm-hmm. from last year because you can then hear all the ridiculous things we exactly expected to be uh in the future of mandalorian that never came true yeah. and also one last thing i it, they really need to stop characterizing me as droids in star wars because i'm <laughs> right i will initiate self-destruct <laughs> i am IG-11. minor inconvenience <laughs> i am dio i am a gonk droid like yes. i move as slow as a gonk droid not i anymore. have anxiety not as, not as bad yeah it's just <laughs> no you don't run it's a, it's I, against your religion. if i'm running you know that's something it's wrong. against your programming exactly um so yeah but uh chapter one great setup and again, it gives you everything you expect to get in a Bounty Hunter show. But then starting uh, Chapter 2, it really shifts. Chapter 1, The Mandalorian. Chapter 2, The Child. So now he's mm-hmm. got his package, and it's all about getting back. Um, yeah. What? <laughs> Nothing. I was just thinking of the scene where they're just floating around. I mean, the child floating behind him. Oh, yeah. He's walking through lot the canyon. A lot of floating. A uh, You know, because... I don't know what happened to his blurg or or whatnot, but once he's got the kid, he's walking back, basically. I think the blurg ran off. Maybe. Um, but also, he had to go through the canyon. Maybe the blurg didn't make it back? Eh, maybe. Or maybe the... So he's tailed by Trandoshans, so maybe they snuck up, released it, and then, yeah. you know, lured... Because they might have scouted and, and seen... Because Trandoshans are hunters, they would have been able to be like, okay... More than likely, he's going to come this way. It's going to bottleneck him. You and I, we could take him. We, you know, as yeah. long as he doesn't get his rifle, because uh, that's the the opening of this whole thing. Is it shows off that yes. that rifle? That was another fantastic thing that subverted the expectations. Yes, because was... he used it in the very holiday special way yeah. in the beginning of chapter one when he zaps the um, I don't remember, uh, I don't remember under either. ice mole thingy. Yeah. Uh, you know, it basically works like a taser, mm-hmm. um, which is very traditional uh, because it's based on the rifle yeah. Boba Fett used. And then we get context to the line, no disintegration. Yeah. So if Boba Fett did, in fact, use one of those, um, which I would be OK with. Honestly, yeah. Uh, you know, because, I mean, give me a canon explanation for the freaking holiday special, please. Uh, if while you're at it, go to Instagram, follow Wasted Fett. He mm. makes uh, Boba Fett armor, and we met him. He actually, uh, we met him because uh, at his booth at Celebration, he had a life-size IG-88. Yep. Um, and so that made us stop, of course, and interact. 
but he has every version of Boba Fett's armor you can imagine, including the holiday special. And if you don't think that that could look good on screen, mm-hmm. you're lying to yourself. So check it out on Instagram because it looked the Kenner version that he has would look good on screen. Like, put, <laughs> like it looks great. So I would love a canon explanation for that being the reason he disintegrates. But um, yeah, it just straight up, like just absolutely disintegrates. It's kind of brutal. Um, I mean, I we've seen plenty of people shot in Star Wars. We've even seen people sliced up a little bit, but like just poof. <laughs> That's pretty serious. And then we see like yeah. several Jawas get uh, blasted when he gets back and finds his ship getting like taken apart. Yeah, that. The effect that they use for the disintegrations is also really good. Mm-hmm. It looks very classic sci-fi, and I like that. Yeah. Um, and that's this is where, again, so like, intro, yeah, jumped and taken out a couple of Trandoshans, a little bit more of, oh, he's still the cool guy and everything. Mm-hmm. But it, like, immediately once the Jawas, like, start stripping his ship is when all of his, like, trouble starts, and you start to catch on of... Yeah. Like, not that he's unprofessional or bad, but it's just a matter of... It's a bad day at the office. <laughs> yeah, just all the time, though. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, I'm, I'm trying to think of how to yeah. explain it. Like, he's... I'm thinking, yeah. like, because I, I guess we hold almost every bounty hunter to the light of Boba Fett. And even technically in canon, that we don't have a lot to hold him up to. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, given... Uh, and that's why we talked about uh, Legends of the Fett family last week was because in Legends, there's a lot, there's a lot built into the Fett name that gives you reason to be scared and to think highly mm-hmm. uh, and honorably of them. And I think that that's the uh, scale we put every other bounty hunter to. Um, and it's just this idea that they all have to be perfect, awesome, never failing, always escaping, always getting the guy kind of characters. Yeah. So this kind of just showing that, and and I think most of it comes from maybe creating him flawed in this way as a bounty hunter, because that's not his, he's not a bounty hunter. He's mm-hmm. a Mandalorian. He bounty hunts. Exactly. It, so whereas he's an, well, he's a mostly honorable person, except when you steal stuff from him. <laughs> <laughs> but to be fair, I'm a mostly honorable person until you steal stuff from me too. I just don't have the capability of disintegration. <laughs> yeah. You almost um, stab me with a fork when we, when I steal your fries. <laughs> well, when I tell you to get your own and you don't, <laughs> but um, yeah, I just almost see this as a characterization of that in that he's, the, he's not a good bounty hunter because he's not a bounty hunter. He's exactly. a Mandalorian first who bounty hunts. Um, and I could be completely off and it could just be for, hey, we just didn't want him to be perfect. And that's perfectly fine too. But like, I, I kind of choose to see it in terms of him mm-hmm. being more of who, like, because even when you look at um, the armorer scenes um, that I'll go ahead and jump to, I know that's in chapter three, but in chapter one, uh, same thing, he has flashbacks. And I think it's really uh, an interesting, like, choice to do flashbacks during the forging scene because i think of i think the relation of that of he's been forged by these experiences this is why he's a mandalorian this is why he walks the way that he walks uh and everything none of that has to do with being a cool good take no nonsense bounty hunter it's just the life that he's had to live because of the circumstances of mandalorians yeah uh so it's really just that that's his 
title. That's his circumstance, but that's not him. He is a Mandalorian. Uh, and so I think that's where a lot of his trouble comes from is like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I just don't think that he's got a lot of the same experiences or qualities that characters like maybe Cad Bane or Boba Fett do that forced them to be good at their jobs like that. Yeah. Um, because they had very different experiences, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, given what we know about when he would have probably become a Mandalorian, you know, adopted into that culture, um, not a lot of Mando stuff going on. If you weren't part of the Imperial Mandalorians, you didn't get to do much. Yeah, because this was post-Siege. It was pre? It was during Siege. Uh, when, Who knows? That's yeah. the thing. All we know is there's droids that are evident of Clone Wars. Yeah, all so, we know is there's a death <clears throat> It had to do somewhere towards the end of the Clone Wars more than likely because um, just in general for the 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 Death Watch or the Mandalorians to be out and about, mm-hmm. they probably weren't uh, taken by Ma- uh, Maul yet or or didn't have that yeah. like, earth-shattering civil war yet. What, what it makes me think is that this is during the time of Maul doing his criminal empire thing, hiring thugs to be like hey i'm causing crimes Mm -hmm. and then death watch coming in and helping and doing stuff like that because fighting droids doesn't really seem like something that death watch would do honestly true uh i mean unless and that's the thing is we still don't know a lot i mean i i tweeted about it uh earlier uh in that uh i don't know why it never hit me before but like we just accept that scene of him getting adopted and taken by the mandalorians and it's just like wait surprise what do we know about this guy like is that the guy is that his adopted da- is that his jaster mariel mm-hmm. it, like what wh- what more is there to that story and i really hope we get more of his backstory because of that oh heck yeah um because those are some interesting answers again that go into the whole idea of what forged him to be who he is i don't think he was forged to be you know a plus bounty hunter i don't I, I think that's why he just has a hard time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just, what's interesting is just seeing him operate on emotion and instinct there of just, he's just ticked off about these Jawas and yeah. he's not even thinking about, and that goes to show he's not a good bounty hunter. No. You know why? Cause he ran off on his prize because these guys stole from his ship. Like you literally got the freaking baby chasing after you in the little pot. Like who knows what number of issues could have happened? Who knows what could have happened to that baby? Yeah. So like he's already bad bounty hunter because he left his he left his prize. All right. Bad bounty hunter because he can't even take out some Jawas. Which to be fair, they did outnumber him. But even mm-hmm. still, there's probably a smarter way to have done what he did. And they have tasers. Um, like just thing after thing of just dude. <laughs> yeah. Just. Take a take a take a minute. So, <laughs> and honestly, it poses the question in this episode: What would you do for a Cadbury cream egg? <laughs> True. Um, so it reintroduces Kuil, uh because basically he needs help. Uh, mm-hmm. Which, if you see, like Kuil tends to add the most human qualities to the Mando. In the first one, he yeah. teaches him how to calmly approach um his riding beast you know the blurg and everything like how to calmly approach situations yeah. and, and here again it's the same thing of you know and it, it's also just in general a different perspective because mando's like oh they destroyed my ship and it's like stripped not destroyed mm-hmm. you know perspective it's it's really interesting kuil in general is a really interesting little character um, yeah i really enjoy everything they did with 
with him as the sort of sage character mm -hmm. for the Mando. Even um, some of his dialogue in episode three is fantastic. Yeah. Oh yeah. All throughout. So yeah. um, now. No wait, not three two. Just Sorry. yeah, just this one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and yeah, so uh, in order, like he has to appease the Jawas with the suka. Uh, the and egg. Yeah. Um, what do you think that tastes like? Nothing good. <laughs> <laughs> like a Cadbury cream egg. Um, well, and uh, it's interesting the imagery that people have pointed out of the egg getting sliced open and just ravaged. Yeah. Uh, and, and the idea of the little pod that the baby roams around in looks like an egg. And is he really going to, like, I'm not, again, it's one of those things people have interpreted I really thought was really, really cool. Mm -hmm. Not to say that that's what they intended with that. Maybe that's too much, too much, too deep. I don't know, but I like to think that's where some of the stuff began with him. Of is that what delivering a job is always like? Mm -hmm. I mean, literally, we've seen him deliver job after job. Like he yeah. unloaded a, a half dozen or so uh, carbonite guys that he went out and poached. But it's just like. I wonder if he's ever questioned because he does everything he does for the, uh, for, you know, the clan, like, mm -hmm. uh, or covert or whatever he called it in, in chapter three. Yeah. Like he does everything for his people. I, I think he's justified a lot to that point, but he's never had to like, what's the baby done? Mm -hmm. All these other guys, he can justify, okay, bail jumper. Okay. Shouldn't have done the crime if you can't do the time. Like, uh, you know, in any number of bounties he would normally get probably are justifiable. Mm-hmm. And so now, I mean, that's a slippery slope of rationalizing, you know, vigilante action towards people because of their actions and all that stuff. I don't want you to take that in the wrong direction, but I think this is the first time he's really been confronted with is, can I do this? Can I finish this job? Because mm -hmm. this, you know, is this just a job? Mm -hmm. And there's also just a lot of cute baby Yoda in this episode. Oh yeah. It's fantastic. Yeah, Every well, and that was the that was the other though. thing with the behind the scenes is obviously you could look in oh puppet oh CG puppet CG but like even further than that just the overall onset interaction um, like actor to character <laughs> yeah everybody loved this baby man uh, even uh, Werner Herzog uh, oh. loved the baby so this, the bit in the uh, behind the scenes thing where Pedro Pascal is doing oh, yeah, the yeah. voiceover he's got the little and he's got the pillow because he's meant to be holding baby Yoda. It's just, so which we great. actually talked about in terms of like, uh, cause I, I think this might've been, I, there's no clear definitive with what I've seen so far, but, um, I, I really think this was a Darth Vader situation with the Mando in terms of Pedro Pascal, was the voice and was only in costume maybe for the direct scene where he's unhelmeted. Yeah. Uh, Which is fantastic. We'll talk about sure. that when we get there. I, it's just interesting. I didn't regard it. Actually, uh, a friend of mine pointed out, like, uh, they didn't even need to really hire someone like Pedro. I mean, he's a, he's a nice name to attach to your show, but, like, they could have gotten anybody because he never had to take his helmet off. He's also just really talented in general. Yeah. And that's not to downplay oh, yeah. anybody's participation in it. It's oh, no, just, no, no, no. it's a, I, I found myself thinking about that throughout in terms of mm -hmm. like when I was taking note of how many times he was being Western Mando versus fighting Mando. Yeah. Like there's so much of it that really did he ever need to be Pedro? Yeah. 
Um, it's one of those things, like, we've talked about multiple times, just us mm-hmm. as people, um, the alien scenes in the first alien movie. You mm-hmm. see it, like, I don't know, a handful of times. Mm-hmm. And it's always dark. You can't really see the alien. Mm-hmm. But the person behind that mask is so talented because they get to, you know, characterize this creature that is terrifying. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's the same kind of thing, but... Well, no, I mean, it's like to, the, the physical acting of it is a major play. It's so a, It's huge to the whole setup and swag of uh, the Mando. So it's, it, and that's why it all makes sense to why, no, we need someone who can really kick butt and is used to fighting. No, we need somebody that can pull off Mm -hmm. that Western swag. Like, yeah, you know, why teach Pedro that when really you need to see him once and you need to hear him all the time when like, you know, and that's why I say it's a very Darth Vader situation where David Prowse is just as much Darth Vader as James Earl Jones is. And there's a lot of acting going on behind the mask. Like, maybe not with the face, but body language is incredibly important, as Ursula has said. Right. Well, that's why they hired Brendan Wayne. Mm -hmm. That's why they got someone who could do, like, this is a Western in space. We need him to look like a cowboy. Like, (laughs) it just works better to give it to somebody who's done that for a career. He look like a cowboy. Yeah, he look like a cowboy. So the last chapter we'll talk about is chapter three, The Sin, which is pretty straightforward. He delivers finally after all of his troubles yeah, uh, the kid the baby. and pretty immediately has a moral conflict and turns around. Um, yeah. And there's the great scene in the very beginning where he delivers the baby mm-hmm. and it's just like a moment of, oh my gosh, it's real. There it is between uh, the cloner guy oh, and yeah. the client. They're very happy about the baby. Which um, all of us were, honestly. Yeah. That whole thing is just like, ugh. Like, just, you know, the everything yeah. they did to show the baby's emotion as he was taken away. Like, oh my they did so much. Even when, uh, something I noticed this time I didn't the first was when uh, they show up uh, and the door opens and the stormtroopers come out. Even then, his ears drop like he recognizes the stormtroopers. And that was, yeah. and it, that's a, from the get-go, uh, they pack in a lot of feel mm-hmm. for this moment that, has only been building up for an episode. Yeah, and we mention to each other all the time while watching The Mandalorian. It's the exact same baby noise that (laughs) Baby Yoda makes. Well, you pointed out. Yeah, because it's it's just neat. Mm Because Disney reuses assets all the time. It's the exact same baby noise. Well, it's not just Disney. Um, It's used a lot. It's in the can for a lot of on-screen babies. It's the baby noise. Yeah. It's the baby noise from Tarzan. I think it's attributed to Tarzan, but it might have even been Maybe. before that. Exactly. Uh, like, but uh, yeah, back. most recognized, I think, for us from Tarzan. Oh, yeah. Go back and watch the scene from Tarzan right mm-hmm. after uh, Two Worlds <laughs> when she finds the baby. Yeah. They say, like, ah? Yeah. That's, especially that one where, like, she first, like, picks him up. Yeah. And it's just that first, like, what? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, there's very specific ones for sure. Um, mm-hmm. cause for the most part, he's pretty quiet, but yeah. every now and then there's the very energetic oh. ones. We have my favorite baby Yoda in chapter two where he's eating the frog yeah. to the point where I have <laughs> a little figure. We, we have five baby Yodas. So far, yes. So far. <laughs> oh, well, are we okay? Yeah. We just like baby Yoda. No, six. 
what you have with the hooded hoodie. blanket yeah. that you got me. Um, so they they really convey a lot with this whole exchange, which is mm-hmm. uh, important because this is what we're basing the whole rest of the season's actions on, apparently. Because mm-hmm. as soon as chapter three, we have Mando pulling a moral shift, like. And this is what I'm talking about when I didn't, I didn't expect this this soon. I no. thought that he was going to work for the client for a while and slowly get his armor. But, I mean, 10 minutes in, he's looking mm-hmm. shiny. Just dang. Yeah. I love the way the, like, full armor looks. It looks good. It's so shiny. But it's also, it's not silver. It's not reflective. It's, it's a dull gray, which is nice because, like... It's not shiny like Django's silver armor. It's it's reflective, I guess. I don't know words for this sort of beauty. <laughs> it's stainless steel. It looks like our I fridge. Guess. Um, it's just, it's so good. It yeah. looks so good. So, and seeing him just fully, uh, like, dressed in that. Like, it, I am interested because he's basically just got straight Beskar. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm wondering if he will paint it or if he'll uh, customize it at all, because Django's, Boba's, and literally any of the other number of Mandalorians that show up at the end of this uh, chapter have colored armor, but it's Beskar, obviously. So it's like, you know, this is just straight Beskar that he ends up with. It'd be interesting to see if he does anything with it. I'm okay if he doesn't. I kind of hope he doesn't cover it in a single color, but like some little here and there customization maybe i think would be pretty cool because i liked the look of his original stuff just for being so this is a man of the land like he's put his stuff together he's scavenged to have what he has i love the touch of like the shore trooper uh armor the little stormtrooper like hand guards like Mm -hmm. little things that meant so much and characterized him so much in terms of someone who's just striving to be uh, as Mandalorian as he can. And and here he is now with a fully clad armor set. Like, that's pretty... Like, mm-hmm. for him, that's got to feel good. All this work that he's been doing to be Mandalorian. Uh, now, uh, like, here he is. And he... I mean, so much so that the other Mandos are jealous in terms of, like, yeah. how come he gets stuff? He's hanging out with the Empire and he gets Beskar and all that. Like, well, first of all, all of y'all have Beskar already. <laughs> Maybe help your boy out because clearly the last time it would have been good when he was fighting the Mudhorn to have some Beskar. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> um, and there's a very unintentionally funny scene when he gets the Beskar where they bring out what I assume is called the Camtono. Yeah, that's a Camtono. And it's an ice cream maker. Let's just be real with that. Yeah. Where Finally, <laughs> it's come back around. Yeah, I made the joke of, I have something for you. It's ice cream. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's really nice. I mean, obviously, John Favreau teased that uh, yeah. leading in. It was really nice because it was just like, oh, that's going to be a cute prop. But no, like, they legitimize. No, no. It's... they Yeah, this whole thing, like, I don't even know if it's canon. I, I honestly don't know if it's canon. Maybe Will Hood will get his new canon story in the new From a Certain Point oh, of View. Yeah. But at one point, it was the the story that the reason this guy is just running around with an ice cream maker is because it's actually the data bank for Cloud City. Yeah. So like he's like he's got an important mission, but it's a freaking ice cream maker, and so everybody's just it's hilarious. But now yeah. here it is, it's legit, and they do nothing more than just make it look a little bit more Star Warsy, mm-hmm. but essentially 
Yeah. It's still it's still an ice cream maker. That's the story I tell to convince people to go to Star Wars Celebration oh, yeah, is the, the running of the yeah. Wilroods. <laughs> Cause like that it's so creative and it's so funny. Um so yeah, so he ends up getting his armor and like I said, pretty quick. Like I, again, I was taken aback by just how fast it moved. And Deborah Child directed this one and all of hers are big favorites of mine. Mm-hmm. Um she just seems to get the big episodes like this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he can't even go to the next job before having to go rescue the baby, which I really like, I don't know if I was just in my feels today or whatnot, but like both when he was giving up the baby and when he was rescuing the baby, I just was very just, oh. yeah, I was just very into it. And obviously again, seeing these episodes enough, but like, yeah, it just, it was really, I was mm-hmm. still invested yeah. Uh, because of everything going on. The moment that got me was when the doctor guy tries to like put himself in between Baby yeah, Yoda and the Mando. And we we were talking about this recently in terms of uh, wanting more for him because mm-hmm. so many questions of Yoda seem to be connected to answers about him as well in terms of their intentions, uh, all of that. Because mm-hmm. clearly he seems very humanitarian. He's very caring. Yeah. He, he even he's straight up yelling at the mando it's just a child yeah, please don't hurt literally him. Like, to the point like we don't see any more of him after this but literally um even as they get it you know the client's just very just get what you need to move on like mm-hmm. um it's just it's it's interesting uh and yet it's not interesting now mm-hmm. just because like we don't get that yet so i'm hoping that um given further uh direction whether mando's mission in the next season is to find a new home for him permanently or just to yeah completely adopt him clearly he's gonna have to learn more about Mm -hmm. this kid and obviously gideon's now personally uh pissed off with mando because not only did he not give up the baby but he shot down his tie (laughs) killed his troops like now that he the empire's definitely going to be hot on him oh yeah and speaking of shooting down I think we get a setup and a payoff with Grief Karga, where he's oh, showing off oh, like yeah. I'm rich now. Pulls very, he pulls a I, block of Beskar yeah. out of a heart pocket, out of breast pocket is yeah. the word, and then puts it back, which I think made Mando like it's okay to shoot him there later. <laughs> maybe <laughs> like, um, he is a good shot, sense. so maybe he maybe that is purposeful. Yeah. I just love the hilarious again because that's a very Western thing. That's, oh yeah, uh, that's just such a saved by the Bible in your breast pocket or saved yeah. by the sheriff's badge. Like there's a, I think it's that movie with the really like bad kid. I don't remember what it's called. The problem child. No, yes, <laughs> I think actually. Oh gosh. Where there, he carries around a nut or something that his grandfather gave him in his breast pocket, and he gets shot by a bad guy, and it's in the nut when he pulls it out of oh, his breast gosh. pocket. And I, I don't remember anything else from that movie. I, I have no idea about that, but um, I was just throwing out a title because I've never seen that movie. It's about the, ba- the problem the child. Problem. That's the killer child, right? They they adopt a kid and he turns bad, right? No. No. Oh, he never did, mind. He. It's a kid who. I'm thinking of a movie with Macaulay Culkin. Like he. I think that's he's the, the bad good kid. son. The good son. Yes. That's the one with that's, the murder child. That's the one with Macaulay Culkin and Elijah Wood. Oh, uh, did Elijah Wood get killed, or is he the bad kid? Why are you so upset? I, I'm sorry. Macaulay I'll, Culkin I'll is the bad kid because he's blonde. Accurate. It's always it's always the blonde, the blonde kid. German people. Uh, well, or British, sure. <laughs> I mean, whatever. But like, 
clearly Americans can't be bad people. Why are you just like <laughs> maligning both of my backgrounds I, it, at the same I, time? I'm just, I'm just regurgitating what I've digested from Hollywood. Only foreign <laughs> people are bad. I obviously don't believe this, and if you use you've this against seen, me, you're an idiot. But you've seen Mission Impossible. It's, yeah. <laughs> okay, it's British people, it's German people, and people with mustaches. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, why do you think the Empire is mostly British? <laughs> you got a point. Exactly. So they I mean, they sh- that's why they should have known uh, that uh, Diego Luna. Diego Luna was. Uh, we were talking about this off cam, uh, off uh, mic. About, if you were upset about uh, no one's upset about the, the way I say one, Pedro. It's Pedro. It's okay. Pedro. You have to roll the R's, number one, <laughs> which I can't do all the time. And then I corrected you, and we just went back and forth for a little bit. Yeah, and so we like, Diego Luna is with uh, Pedro in Narcos. It, that's, that's the other Star Wars person yes. from Narcos. So Yeah, because we were talking about Oscar Isaacs, too. Yes. Um, yeah. So in this, we get the good payoff, and this is the very... I think all of this is about... Again, going back to my interpretation of he's not a good bounty hunter because he's not a bounty hunter. He's a Mandalorian. Here, he's not a good bounty hunter because he has honor. He, he has what makes him a Mandalorian, and it, it tells him he can't let this kid go. Mm-hmm. And that is what earns him acceptance when the clan or co- covert or uh, when you know the other Mandalorians show up to rescue him. It's just a matter of, you're one of us. We're not going to just let you get in trouble. Yeah. Um, and so there's that great, oh my gosh, I just, I, that whole, mm-hmm. this whole episode just moves at a very fast pace. It's constantly moving from one shootout to the other between his rescue of the kid and, and all of the just close quarter stuff to the full-on Western shootout, even oh, including yeah. the stagecoach, um, <laughs> to then the very Star Wars-y fi- finale of all the jetpacks and, yes. and proper Mandalorians showing up. We got up. so hyped when that first happened. Oh, yeah. I mean, even still, I just love... I just... Similarly to with, when he was exchanging with the child, like, that just, like, oh, gosh, that, like, the the way they're working the the facial expressions and just all of the music like it's just mm-hmm. killing me same thing with this when they show up like i just get so pumped up and energetic because this is this kind of stuff man this is what makes you fall in love with characters that look like this because they are just so cool <laughs> um and so getting the proper payoff of proper mandos and in this finale and everything it was really good um and this is the thing that sets, again, the, like yeah. by chapter three, now he's no longer Mando the Bounty Hunter. And that's why no. this isn't called the Bounty Hunter. This is called the Mandalorian. And this is where he sets off on his proper path, I would say. This is when he gets a redirection from, you're not a Bounty Hunter, dude. You're, you're meant for bigger things, tougher things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so from here on now, he's on the run with this kid. Um and I know the next three chapters are maybe not everybody's big favorites, um, but I really like each and every one of them for different reasons, oh, yeah. especially uh, The Prisoner uh, and Sanctuary. Gunslinger's pretty fun, but I hate the kid. I hate, uh, what's his name? You know. like uh, um, Which one? The little rookie guy that helps. Don't, you're going to summon Steel Wars. I just, he's so, he does his job well. He does his job You're not well. meant to like him. I don't like him. Yeah. <laughs> he's just so freaking annoying. So, but there's plenty more to like yeah. about that. Um, 
even if it's just the minor yeah. um, cameos and whatnot. But yeah, uh, nonetheless, we'll, we'll be uh, back next week to talk about those. Uh, again, at least two out of three I'm very excited about. Um, and it, again, it's nice to be able to revisit. Hopefully soon we'll have a trailer to talk about as well. Um, but be sure to let us know if you have anything specific from any of the upcoming chapters that we're going to discuss, or even in the past ones, we'll still take uh, whatever you've got, any Mando love you've got. We'd love to hear it on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. You can hit us up, Nerd Herder Podcast. Um, and then uh, later this week, we're shifting gears from Star Wars to another space fantasy sci-fi uh, universe. Complicated. Uh, finally getting into uh, another nerdyverse topic on wednesday going to be talking about halo uh and dumping my brain on all of you and uh but then back to star wars at the end of the week with more rebels we're nearing we're so close guys to the finale we've seen it you have finally seen the finale of season two i haven't um and so but we're so close to talking about it and uh you cannot wait you're so happy and excited about this i only cried for 20 minutes (laughs) oh it was so real um but uh, make sure that wherever you uh, get your podcast, you're subscribed uh, in order to stay connected. Uh, and again, social media is a great place for that. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you to our patrons who uh, fund this madness for some reason. We appreciate you so much and your bad financial decisions. Uh, Jim, Rebecca, Doug, you guys are awesome. Um, I love and you. Yeah, uh, we're, we're very happy and excited to be revisiting Mandalorian and cannot wait for season two if you don't have anything good to say about season one or just you don't have anything you want to tell us about it at least tell us what you're excited for and hope for for season two that'll be interesting we'd love to Mm -hmm. hear that and cannot wait for the theories once the trailer drops it's only a matter of time so oh i have unfollowed so many people for (laughs) scoops oh gosh like i I, i'll be honest with you so many rumors i I don't care yeah if as as long as i get (laughs) boba fett i'm okay that's the only cameo I need in life. I need Tamora Morrison. <laughs> I need him back in the helmet. I but, need him back um, in the I mean, any, in general, I mean, Tamara Morrison, yeah. if you're out there, just come visit. I just want to hang out. Can you it, be my dad? <laughs> <laughs> Tamara Morrison and Daniel Logan, come sure. to the house. Come yeah. over for dinner. We'll, we'll have a fat family dinner. Like, come yeah. on. It'll be great. Um, we've already got one yeah. boba. So, you know, <laughs> why not have another? Just need to hear. Yep. Yep. So, uh, but we'll be back uh, with more content and uh, so much more in the future. But thank you guys for listening. Be sure to rate and share and all that good stuff if you really like it. If you don't, I mean, sorry. Oh, shout out to our Red 5 family. We love you. Oh, yeah. Uh, and Jesse with Game <laughs> Infinite. Uh, two platforms that are full of great people and somehow we snuck in yeah. <laughs> um, but if you like game content which there's so much out there especially Star Wars right now Game Infinite's your place you can check them out on Twitter or Instagram um, or YouTube um, and then Red 5 if you want other better Star Wars podcasts than ours uh, there's plenty of them on red5network.com uh, be sure to check that out support them we appreciate all of them and pineapple belongs on pizza 